Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. How are you? How are you breathing? How are you feeling? Where, you know, most importantly, where are you feeling it? You know, are you feeling it in your hands, in your ankles? What about your knuckles? When was the last time you brought awareness to your earlobes or the back of your neck? Take a moment to exhale. Oh, wait, that was an inhale. <laughs> Take a moment to exhale. And then take a moment to inhale. And then let's let's do a big sigh together. A big. uh, All right. Well, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, Today's Sunday, March 7th. I'm recording this a little early because my mom gets in town today from Chicago to celebrate uh, my birthday. My birthday's coming up March 18th, and I'm excited, and my mom is full of life. She's 69, runs around like she is 19, and uh, so it's part of where I get my energy from. I'm, I'm so excited to see her. I haven't seen her in a long time, and she's never been to San Diego. So uh, today I want to talk about um, two, I want to cover two things. One is from the New York Times. Actually, both of these are going to be from the New York Times. They had an article, and I love fascinating people who are coping with uh, their mood disorders. Uh, and today they had an article about an artist, a Japanese artist, who is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, um, but I will link to it in the show notes. I want to say it's Kyohei Sakaguchi. Uh, he's a Japanese artist, and he has he struggles with bipolar, uh, or he's managing. I don't want to say struggle. He's managing bipolar. So if you hear some papers rustling, it's because it's uh, from the New York Times. And what I found fascinating about him, so we're going to talk about him and how he's coped with his suicidal ideations, and they were also going to um, get into if you have a child who is expressing suicidal ideations, how do you cope with that and how do you respond to that? And even if you're an adult, these uh, you know strategies and, and coping techniques for your kid also work for you as an adult. So let's get into it. Uh, I want to start off with uh, the Japanese artist and why I was so riveted by his story is that, you know, in 2011, there was a uh, earthquake that rattled Japan and uh, a lot of the the things he had planned were destroyed. And so he had to start over. He relocated to another area and quickly became depressed. And, and he was already coping with, uh, you know, being bipolar or having bipolar, and now, you know, with his livelihood, because he's an artist, uh, he's like an architect, but he considers himself a scholar also, and 
to see his livelihood kind of just ripped up and he's married with two kids and then having to relocate, he was now experiencing some suicidal ideations. And so one of the things that he did was he posted his phone number, his direct phone line in the public because he had a pretty big social media following. And he said the first day he did, he got like five phone calls and then 10 phone calls. And and then it was upwards to about 100 because in Japan, there's like, uh, if you call the suicide hotline number in Japan, um, one out of 100 people get through, unfortunately. So if you look at my show notes, you'll see that there are international numbers. So if you can't, if you're unable to access the suicide hotline in your area, you can call the other phone numbers, you know, through WhatsApp or you can text or you can chat. There's some online um, um, options for you. So he realized that, you know, when he was trying to call the suicide hotline at first, he wasn't able to get through. And, you know, that was disparaging. So then he went and posted his own phone number and then he started getting phone calls and upwards to about 100 a day. And he set a boundary for himself to only uh, respond to 10 of the phone calls because he realized there's only so much one person can do. And it was his way of giving back and connecting with others and and sharing stories and resources um, and then that also helped him with his art and it gave him a purpose and a meaning for what he now, you know, wanted to do with his life and with his art. And so his mission, his purpose became trying to solve like the, the homeless problem in Japan. There are 6,000 vacant homes, tenants, and to him as an architect, he's like, well, why am I trying to build more homes if we already have 6,000 that are just empty? And why are the people living on the streets if we have 6,000 empty homes uh, throughout the land? And so he started looking into how to, how to build sustainable housing, cheap housing uh, for the homeless by looking at how homeless people were building their homes because they were building it out of, you know, scraps and, and, uh, uh, cardboard and plants and tr- you know tree limbs and cans and aluminum just whatever they could find and he found that and sometimes you look in some of these uh, uh, you know makeshift homes they would have art on the walls and a uh, generator for electricity and they would have appliances and things like that so you know they did a lot with a little and and that became part of his mission. And so he started publishing books about how to take care of yourself, how to take care of the planet, um, and just really expand his idea of what art is, whether it was through architecture, through writing books, through, uh, he started writing um, uh, books on like fiction and short stories. And and things like that that address kind of the homeless situation, but also like uh, global change, and also how to you know how to handle uh, your your bipolar and, and the mood swings and things like that. So his art shifted, but he's fascinating because he he took his pain, 
He took his hurt, he took his despair, and he shared it with the world. He invited other people in to his world instead of he could have easily have isolated himself, even though he's very much an introvert, uh, married with two kids, a family guy. And what I also love is that he also recognized that um, his limits of how much he could give to others and how much he could give to his art, right? Because you, it's like he's, he's giving to people so he can give to his art and he's giving to art so he can give to people. And in his head, it's all connected. I think a lot of times when we see somebody doing a lot of different things, we think, well, why, how are they doing so many different things? But it's all about your mindset. And if in your head it's all connected, like for me, I do a podcast, I do this podcast, uh, I do stand up, um, you know, a life coach, a personal train. For me, it's all connected because I'm, it's about me being of service to other people. And it's about me learning something and then caring enough to share it with others. And, and that's at the foundation of everything that I do. I, when I learn something, I, I want to share it with others and I want to share it with people in a way to help them understand it and make it more digestible and accessible. So for, it doesn't matter if I'm doing stand-up, if I'm making people laugh while I do it, or if it's a podcast or personal training, whatever that is, I, you know, for me it's really important that I feel like I'm making a difference in the world. So uh, if you want to check them out, I will link to Sakaguchi in the show notes so you can go to his website, check out his books and things like that. But he's just such an inspiration. And that's in today's uh, New York Sun Time. So if you have online access, you can you don't need to subscribe to the New York Sun Times. I think they give you like three free articles a month. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, and so for those of you who have a kid, right, if you have a child and your child is expressing suicidal thoughts or dark, dark thoughts, and you're not quite sure how to handle that, you, you don't know how to respond. It, it could be feel, it could feel overwhelming, right? You're a parent. And maybe you have two or three or six kids expressing that, right? And a lot of times, like, you know, kids, they'll say things like, I'd rather be dead. I can't do anything right. This is the worst day ever. I want to die. And, you know, these kids are just, you know, flooded with emotions. They're emotionally overwhelmed. And then that could lead to you as a parent feeling the same way. And a lot of us as parents, unfortunately, we usually dismiss the threat or we freak out, right? We, we dismiss them by sending them to their room, which is the worst thing that we can do because basically we're saying, go handle it yourself. Um, or we freak out like, oh, my God, my kid wants to die. No, you got to like so. But so the, the, <laughs> what we want to do is find that sweet spot between being dismissive and freaking out. Because a lot of the research shows that kids three between three and seven they understand death, right? Kids uh, and kids who express suicidal thoughts have a more advanced understanding of death than kids who don't express suicidal thoughts. So don't think because your kid is three or four uh, that they don't understand it, and and so then what happens is we dismiss it or. 
we don't really tune in or ask them to share more with us because, you know, especially in this pandemic, kids are feeling more anxious, more isolated, and, uh, you know, having those uh, emotions of sadness and, and, and they're grieving also, even if they can't put words to it, um, they are feeling it. And also, they're picking up on our emotions. They're picking up on your emotions and how you're responding to things in those days where maybe you're just a little off, you know? So you go, all right, my kid is uh, freaking out. They're upset. They're throwing a tantrum. Um, they're really upset, and, and they're expressing these suicidal thoughts. Um, what? How do I respond? So the first thing we want to do is validate the child's right to their emotions. A lot of times we try to suppress and shut down their emotions and calm down, be quiet, don't say anything, just sit there. And... <laughs> And then the kid becomes an adult and now doesn't know how to express their emotions because they've had a, uh, spent the childhood of either being sent to their rooms or being told to shut up, quiet down, um, or just deal with it as, as a kid. But we want to validate the, the kid's right to you know their emotions because they feel things that we all feel. And um, unfortunately, there's... There's not a uh, there's not a good emotion or a bad emotion. They're just emotions, right? So one of the things as parents that we say is we use the word just, and so that's a word we never ever want to use. We don't, you know, a lot of times it'll sound like just take a breath, just settle down, just take it easy. So we want to eliminate that word just, and we want to get rid of it's no big deal. Why are you upset? These are all things that actually make it worse, right? That, that make those emotional tantrums even bigger. What we can do instead of using the word just is to just notice. See, I used the word just right there. To notice. Be a fly on the wall, right? So to say things like, I see you're hurting. I hear your frustration. So we're, we're talking about uh, what we see, what we hear, uh, maybe what we smell, um, but tapping into the, the sensations. What are you noticing? What do you, if you were a fly on a wall, what would you see? What would you hear? And just tap into that. And that's how a kid feels seen, and that's how, uh, how we feel heard. And even in your relationships, you know, sometimes you get in an argument with your spouse, the spouse starts crying. I see you're crying, or I notice that you're crying, or I notice that your arms are folded, or I notice that you are turned away from me, or I notice that you haven't hugged me. Um, uh, you know, uh, when you usually do it when I come home, things like that. So it's like, what are you noticing? And, and share that. But especially if you can notice the emotion. I notice you're upset. I notice you're you're frustrated. Uh, to tap into the emotions, or you can notice their body language. Are they crying? Or is their body turned away from you? Um, are they, you know, stomping on the floor? Things like that. Um, but you know, sending your kids to their room when they're uh, emotionally upset is basically telling the kid, figure it out for yourself. Right. Uh, a three year old. Yeah. Telling the three year old 
to figure it out for themselves. Good luck. Um, what we want to do also is, you know, we, like I said, we want to validate and we want to notice them. And we also want to encourage self-regulation. And how we help a kid self-regulate is allowing them to actually stomp on the floor, to get it out physically, especially when they're angry. When they're angry, we don't want to suppress it because when we're angry, we want to act, we want to move. And so we want to encourage healthy movement, right? Stomping on the floor is okay. It's not going to hurt the floor. The floor is okay. The floor can take it, right? Uh, Hitting a pillow is a way of self-regulating. Punching a bag. I know when I take a boxing class, I feel incredible after uh, I take a boxing class. I feel way more relaxed and more present. Or even after hot yoga or you take a spin on the old Peloton bike, whatever you do. Um, Even having your kid lie on their back doing a starfish, super relaxing. And what's interesting, these are things that kids naturally do. They naturally do this. And then we stop them from doing it. And so we're actually taking away uh, their way of coping and self-regulating their emotions. And so what happens is later on it comes out in some self-sabotaging behaviors, whether it's overeating or now, now they're going to be sneaking you know, behind your back to find ways to soothe themselves instead of allowing them to openly display their uh, techniques for self-regulation. So, you know, play around with these different techniques and see what works. And there's so many online. You can you can Google uh, how to self-regulate, and you'll get a whole list of of ways that you can help your kid regulate their emotions. If your if your kid is working on being calm, and and you're like, how do I keep my kid calm or or focused? You know, having them being creative. When kids are creating, coloring, cutting, um, you know, drawing things like that. It gives them a sense of competence, and it gives them a sense of control. It's like, okay, there, there are things that are out of control in my life, which for a kid, everything can feel like it's out of control. But if, they are, if they're cutting, drawing, um, writing, uh, they can feel very much in control. It's why kids love video games. They are in control. They feel competent. They know how to get through the levels. It gives them a sense of competence and control and so does baking you know baking is a very easy thing for kids to do and what I love about baking like you're kind of making a mess you're working with your hands you're putting things together you're 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 getting a little bit of science in there with I mean a little bit it's it's, it's definitely science and it's a way to connect and uh and converse it's it gives it's a it becomes a conduit for you to learn more about your child and what's really going on you know uh, like, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, you know, going out to toss the old Frisbee around or, or playing catch, that kind of thing. The other thing that we can do if our child is expressing, you know, dark thoughts is to praise descriptively, right? So a lot of times we just say, good job, or that a boy, or pat on the back. But we want to be descriptive in how we praise people. It's just like when you receive a compliment, it, it's... It, it's like if somebody says you're beautiful, all right, that's great. But if somebody goes, wow, that color really makes your eyes pop, that's a descriptive compliment. So we're going to do the same thing with behavior. To, you know, to say something like 
you calmed yourself without hurting your sister's feelings. See, so now it becomes reinforcing. Now they're getting the attention that they were seeking and they're getting the attention for calming themselves. So now that it starts reinforcing them calming themselves versus, uh, you know, doing something to hurt their sister's feelings to get attention or to uh, regulate their emotions, or I should say dysregulate their emotions, right? And lastly, don't be afraid to ask how your kid is feeling, especially if they're expressing suicidal thoughts. Don't be afraid of saying uh, or asking any knife thoughts today, any cutting thoughts today, um, you know, whatever they're whatever they're they've expressed to you don't be afraid to check in and see if they are still having those very specific thoughts because by asking the question it does not reinforce the thoughts it it only allows the kid to then check in with themselves you to check in with the kid and let the kid know that you care so don't don't worry about the you know thinking that you're planting the seed in their head because you're only repeating back what the kid has expressed to you. Now, if the kid, you know, hasn't expressed uh, knife thoughts, then you don't want to say had any knife thoughts today. Um, or, you know, if, if the kid hasn't expressed pill thoughts, you don't want to say, you know, had any pill thoughts today. Like you're only repeating back, mirroring back the thoughts that the kid has expressed to you. And then that way you don't have to worry about planting something in their head because you're only saying what the kids are. Right, I said that a million times already. So uh, I appreciate you tuning in, and I hope this, this episode was effective and shed some light on a few things and uh, gave you hope and uh, purpose and meaning. And once, you know, like I said, if you find yourself in a crisis situation, you can always go to uh, call the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK, or you can post your phone number uh, on social media and just be like, I need to talk to someone, you know, post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter and and say, hey, I need to talk. You know, that's the beauty of uh, WhatsApp is that you can have a different phone number. So if you want to do that, um, just because you want to talk to someone, then uh, I said just um, to talk to someone, then then by all means do that as a way of connecting with others and and sharing your story if you are a corporate exec and you are thriving at work killing it crushing it getting all the promotions and at home you feel alone and like it's all meaningless then go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly let's get to tomorrow together